Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number to call if you want to be part of the conversation. Lots to talk about today. But before we get to the news of the day, do have a guest in the studio. Stephanie LeBlanc with Mabel's Table Backpack Project is joining me in the studio. Good morning. or Good afternoon. How are you? Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Uh, so... I've mentioned on the show before, I've spent just under a decade in a classroom. And one of the things that I've seen firsthand is just how many kids there are who don't necessarily have access to the resources and to the school supplies that they need. And so anytime you see uh, you see any sort of organization that is doing a lot of the work to make sure these kids get the supplies they need, it is absolutely uh it's, it's absolutely a great cause that I, I want more people to support. So Mabel's Table Backpack Project, what what got you started with this? Yeah, thank you again for having me, Joe. Uh, about eight years ago, I, um, being a foster mom, realized that a lot of these foster families have a hard time grabbing all of the supplies when a child comes into care. Things can get really just tedious and stressful. You're dealing with a child that's just been taken from their families because of their safety, and they need to have a lot of stuff right in a very short period of time, all while taking care of these children. So I created the Backpack Project Mm -hmm. to help foster children, um, to give the tools and the necessary things to the foster families for these foster kids. So how many foster kids are there in the Lafayette area? Yeah, so that number ranges, and it's constantly fluid. Mm -hmm. So the ultimate goal is reunification with the family. And um, what they do is foster kids will come into care, and then they go out of care. So in any given point in time in Lafayette Parish, we could have 300 to 400 foster kids can drop down. And that's the one thing that's different. It's, you know, they don't all start at the very beginning of school. Mm -hmm. You don't get foster kids all at the same time. And so we provide these backpacks through DCFS and CASA and a lot of these other organizations to help give them all throughout the year. So these are readily available for these foster children to have so that if they change schools or do something along those lines. That's something I there's a lot of a lot of folks who always want to do like the beginning of the year. Let's go. Let's get everybody's stuff. But but you're absolutely right. And and having been on the teaching side of it, I'm fully aware of of the fact that kids can come in in the middle of the year and it is sometimes very awkward. Uh, It is very tough emotionally, socially for a kid to come in in that situation. And yeah, they do find themselves behind, not just on the education, but also just the basic supplies that they need. Yes, correct. Uh, You know, it's really just an amazing thing to look at the community and how they rally around not only Mabel's table backpack project, but a lot of the different things that are for foster children homeless children and a lot mm-hmm. of these at-risk children at this time of year. Yeah, it's 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 something that I, I really, uh, I love to see your, your organization uh, and really focusing on the full year, the full child for the full year. I think that's fantastic because there are so many kids who just, they need just a, that little extra push, that little bit of help. And, and a lot of them do end up very proud or very sensitive of that that situation they're in, and they don't talk a whole lot about it. So it's very hard That's for exactly a teacher, right. for mm-hmm. other friends or, or anybody like that to really know what's going on. So for there to be a group that's there ready to go to help a kid, not being asked, not saying a word, just here you go and moving on, I think that is tremendous. Yeah, we, um, we're really happy with how the community has come forth 
you know, like I said, it's our eighth anniversary, Mm -hmm. um, eighth annual backpack project for Mabel's Table. And um, one of the things I like is that the community of volunteers do come out. And so that's one of the things we're looking for is for the community to come out to our volunteer event on July 28th from 3 to 5 to pack backpacks for foster children. What we do is we set this up to also teach volunteerism to children and to allow the parents to work with the children, their own kids or grandkids or whatever they are, Mm -hmm. to teach them about volunteerism. We do notes of inspiration for the children, for the foster kids to put in the backpacks. We we decorate little trinket boxes or we do little things to be able to add to the backpack to personalize it and just show them the love that we are here for them and that we support them in our community. That is absolutely fantastic. So again, you have a Pack the Backpacks event uh, coming up next Friday, and that is at Grace Presbyterian Church, 3 to 5 p.m. for your volunteer event. It sounds awesome. And and folks, I know most of you listening, uh, you've called in, you've sent messages in, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, y'all know just the, the these kinds of situations and what all can go on. Really asking that y'all get out, show up to these uh, to this event. How can they uh, get in touch with y'all to, to for any questions, donations, yes, things like that? Absolutely, we are accepting school supply donations. We have on our website the list. It's www.mablesorg.org. I'm, I'm sorry, let me start over. www.mablestable.org. Mm-hmm. Um, they can donate school supplies. Caroline and Company is a drop-off location, as well as UBS and River Ranch, and also Grace Presbyterian Church themselves. Um, we'll be packing the backpacks for foster children, and once they get packed, we will distribute these to the Department of Children and Family Services for them to distribute to the foster children that are around, and then they will also hold on to some for kids that come into care. That is awesome. Stephanie LeBlanc, Mabel's Table Backpack Project, thank you very much for coming by today and, and letting us know about this this event and and the project. Thank you so much for having me. All right, we're going to take this break. When we come back, we will have more of your news of the day, wrap up the week with all the stuff that's going on. Feel free also to call in or send a message through the KPL app chat. We'll take this break back on the Joe Cunningham Show right in right after this uh, commercial break. If you're looking for more great conservative content throughout the day, why don't you head on over to my site, redstate.com. I'm a senior editor over there, and I work with a lot of great conservatives putting out a lot of great news and opinion each and every day. Plus, if you use my name, Joe, as the promo code, you can subscribe with a discount to our VIP section where you'll get a ton more great content that you won't find anywhere else. Check out redstate.com today. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is... The number, if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, before I go on with the news of the day, I want to again, uh, first of all, thank Stephanie LeBlanc for coming in. Uh, very, very happy to have her in and talk about uh, issues like this. Because, again, you guys know, I've said it enough, you're probably tired of hearing it, but I've, having spent several years teaching and just seeing you know, a lot of the students and some of whom did have uh, they, they were in foster, they foster care, they were homeless. There there are so, so many kids out there and you may not realize how many kids there are out there that have needs like this. And for there to be an organization like Mabel's Table Backpack Project uh, is it's just phenomenal to uh, to be able to promote a group like that. So check them out. Uh, Mabel's Table dot org. And 
You can get all the information on their Pack the Backpack event, where to donate, how to donate, what all they need, all of that. And highly encourage you to go do that. Now, speaking of education, there is a local story that we have up on kpel965.com that I highly encourage you to go read. One, because it's a very important local issue and it is something that needs to be addressed, but also it, it does play into something larger that I've talked about on the show before. So we've got a story today. Lafayette Parish Schools, parents lying about address to pick schools. This is not a new phenomenon by any stretch. There's always people who are trying to to cheat the system to get their kids into a better school. Now, Lafayette Parish has several great schools. Milton Elementary Middle School is a really good school. And, of course, there's always going to be parents who want to get into or get their kids into schools like that. But because of zoning issues, because of things like that, you you want to make sure that the kids who are get, who are going to these schools uh, really live in the zone for that school because you don't want schools to be overcrowded. You don't want somebody to get cheated out of a spot they should deserve because they live in a district while another kid who's there doesn't. But uh, this, our story, uh, again, kpel965.com, Every year, and I know this because I can I, I can tell you this because I've seen the the folders the inform the, the the information folders that we have on every kid. You, you see the background. You can look up their info if you're working in the system. Find out the kid's address, contact info, everything. Every student has to have a few things when they register for school. They need a proof of residency. Uh. They need to have uh, they need to submit uh, the previous two or two previous utility bills, whether it's gas, electric, water, etc. You also need to uh, you need to be able to back that up. And here's why. What we found out in this story is that some people are actually like swapping utility bills. So they're actually paying another family's utility bill. Their name is on the account and they're basically swapping names on the accounts so that they can have the, the proof of residency they need in order to get into the school in that district. It's clever. It's also cheating. Uh, Allegedly, in the story, allegedly some parents with children who attend Milton Elementary uh, have taken over utility services for families or individuals who actually live in that school district, not only paying the bill, but literally swapping their names to appear on the actual account. This way, they are technically compliant with the proof of domicile uh, requirements from LPSS for the school that they desire, despite the fact they don't actually reside in the proper district. A member of the school board shared that the straw that broke the camel's back at Milton Elementary was actually an incident that took place in the dreaded car line. Parents had already begun to question why their car line was so much longer than other schools. One day, things hit a fever pitch at the in, uh, in the car line when one parent cut the line. On that particular day, the Milton Elementary principal just happened to be present, and as other parents were visibly upset, they motioned for the parent to pull over in order to inform them that they needed to get in line like the rest of the parents. The principal engaged with the parent. Things escalated to a point where the school leader had to actually run their plates. It was then that they found out that the parent who cut the line was not actually zoned 
from Milton Elementary, and it was subsequently realized the documents had been falsified for their child to attend the school in the first place. Now, don't get me wrong here. I understand completely wanting to get your kid into a better school. I don't begrudge anybody that. In fact, in a perfect world, I would love to see school zones shattered completely. I would, I would love for there, in a perfect world, to be school choice. Just no zones. You go where you want to go. You send your kid where they need to be, where you want them to be sent, and that's it. Now, the reason we have them is not just to keep kids trapped in a zone, but also population needs. There are some places that are heavily populated and some places that are not heavily populated. If a bunch of kids from a heavily populated area start going to a school in a rural area, you start having overcrowding problems. So there needs to be some sort of balance. That's why we have a magnet school system in Lafayette Parish. It allows for a pretty good flow between those zones to make sure that everything is kind of flowing without overcrowding. But here's the thing. I've said numerous times, and I still believe this, at the local, the state, and the national level. At some point, very, very soon, politicians are going to realize that school zones, education, school choice, those are the big issues. Opening up schools... Developing schools to where they can handle more students who might live outside of their zone. That, that's a pretty big deal. A lot of this parental rights and education stuff that we're talking about in Louisiana and across the country is because parents want to get their kids the best education possible. They don't want the nonsense, super woke stuff. They don't want stuff that's not related to the reading, the writing, the arithmetic. They don't want the stuff to get in the way of the basic history they, the kids need to know. They don't want any of that to get in the way. They want a good school that their kids can learn in. They want a safe environment. They want a good academic environment. And parents, a lot of them will do anything to get their kids where they need to go. But that is a big political issue, huge political issue. We need to really consider across the state and across the country how we can start making better choices in education to really open up opportunities so you don't have a whole lot of people cheating and cutting in line, literally and metaphorically. You want... You absolutely want and must have a successful education system. And Lafayette's education system is very successful. But you really need a system that allows for freer flow of students to places where they can be successful. And you know what? If a school is not a successful school and they start losing a bunch of population, that needs to be addressed too, which is another reason that you do need school choice. You need to figure out not just the ones that on paper may have a decent or even a rough score, but the environment, the the issues that are causing these schools, people to be hesitant about them. We need more measurements like that. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. When we come back, a shift to the national politics 
It's official. Ron DeSantis and his campaign are making some big shifts. We will talk about that in other news of the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Hey, this is Joe Cunningham, and you're listening to the podcast version of my daily radio show. Now, if you want to listen live, all you need to do is download the KPL News app to your phone. You can listen live every weekday from 3 to 4 p.m. and communicate with the show using the app's chat feature. So go over to your app store, download the KPL News app, and listen to my show every day from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Okay, I like the bumper. Sorry. Anyway, 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, I want to get to some national stories, particularly on the presidential uh, political race side. Uh, Ron DeSantis, his campaign is making a shift. He's making two important shifts. Uh, The first one we know because Ron DeSantis and his campaign are talking to NBC News, which would not have expected from the old Ron DeSantis campaign. They were not talking to the mainstream media. It looks like the Jake Tapper interview was more more or less a field test. Uh, his campaign is now talking to mainstream media outlets because they realize that in their silence, they allowed the void to be filled by Trump campaign surrogates and others. So other people were setting the narrative about the DeSantis campaign. They weren't able to set their own narrative. And that ended up being a problem. Then you have the Jake Tapper interview, and it gets a lot of positive feedback. And not so much publicly as it did behind the scenes in political circles. I talked with several folks who have uh, they have experience working uh, with campaigns. One person I talked to had experience with uh, presidential uh, primaries. And uh, these people all had kind of the same reaction. What in the hell were they hiding DeSantis from in the first place? Why was the campaign not trying to get any major uh, mainstream media interviews or anything like that? It's almost as if they were trying to protect him from something he didn't need protecting from. He showed he could hold his own. He showed that he was you know, able to really and very clearly articulate his uh, policy preferences. And that... That's a big deal in a lot of those political circles. So a lot of the folks behind the scenes, a lot of campaign folks, a lot of political donors, they saw that interview and they're thinking, well, maybe he's not sunk. Now, I never believed that Ron DeSantis was sunk. There's been a lot of talk about uh, he's floundering. He can't go anywhere. He's, he's going to be tapped out on resources before too long. And, and that's that's it. That's they, they all think that they can write him off at this point. I still say it's way too early to write anybody in this race off, with the exception of Asa Hutchinson, because who the hell is Asa Hutchinson? Uh, He's a political nobody. Nobody would vote for him. But anyway, Larry Elder's the same way. Do not like either of those guys. Doug Burgum is funding his own campaign, and it's it's just strange, uh, some of these people who jumped in. But for the, the the main candidates in that primary race, you can't write any of them out yet. You just don't know how things will turn. Remember... Back in 2000 and was it eight? Or was it 12? No, it was 12. Back in 2012, when did Rudy Giuliani run? Was it 2008 or 2012? Either way, which one? By this point, he was leading the polls. And then uh, I think it was 2008 because I think ultimately it ended up being uh, John McCain. But... 
it's it's far too early even to say that even with Donald Trump having an averaging 50% of the electoral vote among uh primary voters it's too early to say if the that that the primary is going to go one way or the other you just don't know there's lots of things that can change i mean trump's legal problems can have an impact they set a court date for the mar-a-lago case for uh for May of 2024, that is pretty significant because that cuts right into the heart of the campaign. If he is the nominee, that cuts. Well, I mean, uh, he won't officially be the nominee by then, but he'll we'll we'll know by then if he's destined to be the nominee. If he's as close as a lot of people think he will be, thinks he will be, uh, that's going to have an impact, and that could fundamentally change things. So, it's far too early to tell. DeSantis and his campaign are making the shift, just talking to the media in general, but also making a rhetoric, uh, a rhetorical shift. The DeSantis campaign is no longer going to be talking about what DeSantis did in Florida. And I, I know I mentioned this a couple weeks back. The early primary states are not Florida. Most of the states, in fact, about, oh, I'd say 49 states aren't Florida. And the people living in those states, by and large, don't want to be Florida. And by continuing to talk about Florida, what he did in Florida, how he changed Florida, a lot of voters kind of get turned off. They're like, we're not Florida. What are you going to do for me? What are you going to do to put the country on the right track? We know how you put Florida on the right track. Can you do that? And how as president? And so they wanted to know. He's also going to step back from big rallies and speeches. He's going to focus more on small settings, more intimate settings, and a lot of handshaking and one-on-one or small group conversations with voters. Voters, particularly in early primary states, the voters that know their state's worth in the primary process, they love, they eat that stuff up. A candidate comes into their favorite pizza shop, he starts shaking hands and talking to them. Well, what happens? People excited about that. I met this guy. He's great. He talked about all this cool stuff. You know, he let me ask him a question. Here's what he said. And people start talking about that. And people say, well, now I want to hear this guy. Now I want to see this guy. Or, hey, this guy seems cool. Maybe I should vote for him. And it starts spreading the word that way. So he's going to focus on that. So he's making these two big shifts. He's not going to talk about Florida as much. And he's going to start talking to the media more. And that's going to make a difference, I think, in the long run. Now, he's still stagnant with his current numbers. And he's probably going to be there for a bit. We are going to see next week. If the uh, Jack Smith stuff is starting to have an impact on the polling, I think there will be a blip, particularly if actual indictments come out soon. We'll see a blip in the polling. I don't know if it's going to be enough to be uh, to be a sustained bump in the polling or if it's just going to be a blip in the radar. Remember, after the Alvin Bragg uh, indictments, there was a pretty significant bump in the polls, and it sustained for a a decent amount of time. Then in the Mar-a-Lago indictments, there was a bump, but it didn't stick around as long. And I really do think that a lot of people are, they are worried about the weaponized Department of Justice. Don't get me wrong. They're, They're worried about weaponized government against political opponents. But they're also just like, okay, this guy is going to be He's he's going to be under investigation forever. Maybe we need to move on. That's a that's a conversation people are going to have, at least in their own heads. So the DeSantis campaign is making the shift. Meanwhile, 
as we've kind of mentioned before, a lot more donors are looking at Tim Scott. They like Tim Scott. They like his story. They think that he is possibly a successor to second place, behind, uh, you know, if DeSantis does falter. And there's something else there, too. There's some data that came out. I think it was a Gallup poll. I can't remember which but off the top of my head which one. Uh, there was some data that came out that showed Ron DeSantis was faltering in support with college-educated Republicans. College-educated Republicans are going to look at Tim Scott, and that'll primarily be where Tim Scott's next bump in the polls comes from. He is he's not a super-aggressive fighter. He is passionate. He is uh, he's fairly sharp on his on the issues he talks about, but the college educated, the more college educated you are, the more likely you are going to pay attention to things like race. And they're going to say, man, the Republican Party, they could really use a black candidate right now to really show that they have moved on on race. They are willing to be diverse and all that. And that conversation is going to happen in the back of, of their minds. And again, not here. Here is pretty firmly locked into Trump, at least for the moment. But in other states where it's not as passionately deep red and, and wanting the, the Trump style fighter, but in other places that are still fairly solidly Republican, just maybe more moderate Republican, they're going to have those conversations too. So that's going to be a big part in the race going forward as well. But the DeSantis shift, I think, is interesting. And one of the reasons it's interesting is that it didn't need to happen in the first place. There are a lot of people out there who are like, why weren't they doing this from the beginning? This was clearly an option. This isn't something that's changed. It's just something they weren't doing before. Maybe things would be different had DeSantis not taken such a Florida-centric approach. Maybe if he had not cut himself off from the mainstream media, he would have done better or worse or anything like that. But we are where we are. And again, no, it's not too late or anything like that. But the presidential politics keep moving. At the same time, you know, you've heard on Bongino's show now for a couple of days, the, the, the RFK stuff, the, the RFK hearing yesterday was just bat poop crazy because I can't say what I really think because the FCC has rules. Uh, but it was bat poop crazy. The Democrats, the way they were addressing and trying to shut Robert, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. down, it was just, it was foolish. It was crazy. It's kind of funny, too. But they don't like the threat that a Robert Kennedy poses. They don't like the threat that Joe Manchin poses. They don't like any of these threats coming from their own side because they know Joe Biden's weak. Joe Biden's only spent like $1.7 million in his reelection campaign so far. That's a drop in the bucket compared to what he needs to spend to get Americans back on his side because Americans think the country is going in the wrong direction. Americans think... Joe Biden is too old to run again. They do have all of these problems with Joe Biden. And there is definitely room for somebody who is not Joe Biden to fill in that gap. But there's nobody on the bench officially for the Democratic Party. So people are looking at alternatives and not alternatives that are all that great. Robert Kennedy as much as some people in the conservative movement have given him good praise and everything like that, particularly when it comes to vaccines and everything like that, Robert Kennedy be 
believes that if you don't agree with him on the climate, you, you should be thrown in prison. That's an actual stance he's had before. Robert Kennedy does not like conservatives, has no time for conservatives, and frankly thinks that all conservatives are evil. But he's a Democrat, and he's proving to be a thorn in the side of Democrats and Joe Biden. So we'll see how he keeps progressing as well. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Got a couple minutes when we come back after this break to take your calls, your messages, and more of the news of the day to wrap up this week here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. You know, in case you miss any show, you can always go back and listen. They aren't lost forever once you listen to them. But I do have a request. If you guys listen to the Joe Cunningham Show and you like what you're listening to, go to your podcast app wherever you're listening to this from and give the podcast a rating and a review. That helps get the podcast out in front of more eyes so that we can help the show grow. Thanks again for listening to The Joe Cunningham Show right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Okay, this is a bizarre headline. Well, it was a bizarre tweet. The tweet from The Blaze. Breaking whistleblowers at Fox News revealed that the company is matching employee donations to the Satanic Temple far-left LGBT activist organization, The Trevor Project, Planned Parenthood, and SPLC. Uh, Insiders have revealed to Blaze Media that Fox will subsidize some of the very activist groups that despise and seek the ruin of the network's viewers, evidencing a complete disregard and hatred for its core audience, according to those insiders. Fox Giving is an app the company in the company portal that facilitates charitable donations via the Canadian-based donation management platform Benevity. Fox will apparently match donations of up to $1,000 to various organizations that satisfy the company's criteria. While on its face, this appears to be little more than an attempt at corporate uh, beneficence, the company is willing to match donations to the Satanic Temple, the Trevor Project, Pan- uh, Planned Parenthood, and local Planned Parenthood branches, and the Southern Poverty Law Center, radical leftist groups anti, uh, antipathetic to conservatives and the values they hold most dear. The Satanic Temple is an atheist leftist organization that has attribu- distributed satanic literature to children, publicly performed unbaptisms, sought to ensure that women can legally have their unborn children killed by way of their religious abortion ritual and erected statues of Baphomet on government property. Good Lord. Um, so this, some, not the, the satanic temple stuff that, that doesn't surprise me all that kind of surprises me, but it doesn't surprise me that some of the internal corporate stuff at Fox is of the left as the bigger a company gets, the more the corporate infrastructure tends to lean to the left and the people who are in charge of running those things lean to the left. And uh, middle middle management in those cases can be uh, pretty pretty of the left themselves. So that doesn't really bother them. The, it just seems fairly silly for them to allow that. But I don't I don't know the 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 Fox Giving thing or the Benevity or anything like that. What a weird story. But then again, who at Fox News is looking for the Satanic Temple? as a means 
of making a charitable donation. That's that's also very weird. Um, I don't know, y'all. Anyway, that's it for me for the week. You guys have a fantastic weekend. Keep cool today, even tomorrow. Now, the temperature is starting to cool down like two, three degrees over the next couple of days. There's some rain coming in. But it's still going to be hot. It's still going to be miserable at times. Y'all, please, please, please drink plenty of water. Get air conditioning when you can if you plan to be outside for any extended period of time. I'm out. You guys have a great weekend. I intend to as well. I'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email Joe at RedState.com. You can also check out the podcast version of the show by going to whatever your preferred podcast platform is. When you're there, give it a review and a rating. Help uh, keep those scores high and let other people see what's available out there. You guys have a great week weekend. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.